Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. Welcome to our Celebration Church online service. We're so glad you guys are joining us today. And this is the last week in our build up to our large transformed campaign. You're going to hear us talk a lot about life groups today. We, we challenge people throughout our church to get involved in life groups during our spiritual growth campaigns like Transformed. And we have life groups that are meeting online. So even you, as you're watching this online, can get involved in a life group. And if you're tracking along with us at one of our live premieres, I'd encourage you go ahead and write life group in the chat box so one of our staff can follow up with you and get you connected today we're going to be talking about our Christian life support system and when I hear the phrase life support system for some reason I think of astronauts in outer space and can you just imagine being an astronaut in outer space cut off from your space shuttle cut off from your life support system just drifting out there without any supplies any help any hope I can't imagine many things scarier than that. And a lot of the times we, we hear something like that, we think, oh, that's just a Hollywood story, but it's probably a pretty good metaphor for the spiritual world in which we live. The reality is that the spiritual world in which we live can be cold, can be dark, and can be dangerous, just like the perils of outer space. And we don't want to go through it without a life support system. We all need a support system to help us survive and thrive in life. And that's why the Lord said there at the very beginning of creation in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, a lot of wives listening, a lot of mothers listening, know it's not good for the man to be alone. My wife knows it's not good for me to be alone. Every time I'm alone, she comes home to a bigger mess. Can I get a amen in the chat box from the ladies listening to this right now? Now, what's interesting is when we think about that first, let's take a moment to be humbled. In Genesis chapter 1, we have the seven days of creation where God works for six days and rests on the seventh day. And at the end of every creation day, the Lord says it is good. And as Genesis 2 zooms in on the creation of humankind, one of the things we see is just one person, just one man was not good. In fact, it was incomplete. That's why the Lord had to, com had to create another person. Now, we recognize that humanity was designed to have a life support system. This is difficult sometimes. One of the chief struggles of American Christianity is to overcome our culture's infatuation with individualism. You may have heard of Ayn Rand. She was a 20th century writer and philosopher who's deeply influenced many libertarians and conservatives. And she once wrote this. I want to show you here today. She said, and now I see the face of God and I raise this God over the earth, this God who many have sought since men came into being, this God who will grant them joy and peace and pride, this God, this one word, I. <laughs> you recognize that there's nothing in the Bible saying that our God is I. In fact, I would go ahead and say the I we worship in that statement is idolatry. It's raising up a false God. 
Now, corporations and companies understand that individualism is ingrained to our culture. It's ingrained to who we are. And so that's why you have companies like Burger King with slogans like your way right away, because it works better than when your slogan is we're going to make it the way most people like it, whether you like it that way or not. Somehow that just doesn't roll off the tongue. And, and we're familiar with Apple's products being iPad, iPhone, iWatch. And, and somehow that sounds a whole lot better than us phones and us watches and us pads. And, and you may be familiar with Capital One's phrase, what's in your wallet? That, that sounds a whole lot better than what's in y'all's wallets. Individualism is baked into a bit of who we are. And it's a world where we see about 5,000 advertisements a day. And so it's really easy to forget that it's not all about us. But when we think about the Christian life, when we think about living out our faith, one of the things we need to recognize is that the Christian life is as much about belonging as it is believing. A lot of folks want to find their faith, to find their Christianity in terms of what they believe. That's a propositional gospel. But one of the things we know is Jesus came to earth to have relationship with us. And so the Christian life is as much about belonging to the Lord and to his people. A fundamental truth of the Christian life is we were made to belong to the Lord and to his church. That's why the apostle Paul wrote, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He was saying that for all of our individual uniqueness and distinctives and liberties, they all bow the knee to being one in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself said, for where two or three are gathered as my followers, I am there among them. Now, Jesus didn't mean if you're isolated all by yourself, he's not with you. And, and, but he was saying that you don't need an auditorium with hundreds or thousands of people to experience his presence. All you need is a small bit of community. In fact, the early church, they didn't have auditoriums with hundreds of seats or thousands of chairs. They had homes, and that's where they met. That's where they experienced community, and that's where they found their life support system. So what I want to do is I want to take us back to that early church, Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 42 through 47 as Luke writes. Read with me in Luke 2, 42. He says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those who were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. When you read this early story, it's, it's very, very organic, and you recognize it's a built-in life support system. You'll notice there is no mention in there of a worship band. My apologies to the worship leaders. There's, there's no mention any there, there of, of any fancy preaching or, or youth ministry or lighting or, or sound systems. And ultimately, that's because the Christian life support system has always been about the small group community experience. You can't experience serious, sustainable transformation all by yourself. It requires community. And as we approach this transformed campaign, I need to tell you very directly, you won't be transformed transformed 
alone. You won't be transformed in isolation. Community is the context for transformation. You see, in order to fully experience transformation, we need to understand how God uses Christian community in our lives. So we're going to explore this question today. How can we experience the transformation that takes place in Christian community. We're going to give you two major things and then break those down today. We experience transformation in community because, number one, community has something to contribute to us. The community has something to contribute to us. There's value there. There's something for us to gain. In 2011, Chrysler Automotive ran a Super Bowl advertisement. You, you understand the story with Super Bowl advertisements. They're expensive. They're crazy expensive. They spent $12.4 million on a two-minute ad during the Super Bowl. $12.4 million is a lot, of, a lot of dollars, and it adds up to being more than $100,000 a second for this commercial. It was a very risky move, and a, a lot of folks thought it was an unwise move. You have to remember that this is a time just after the recession when many businesses and industries are recovering, and this is a time when nobody really knows if the Detroit automotive industry is going to make it, and yet Chrysler took this huge risk. And the, uh, the cost of the ad was, was enormous, but don't you know that that night, Chrysler 200 was the second most Googled term on all the internet. And shortly after, Chrysler reported a 50% increase in sales. I'd say the ad was effective. Now, our tendency in life is to get turned off by the cost, by the sticker shock of something. And that can be true with community. Sometimes the price keeps us from realizing and grasping hold of the surpassing value. Can you imagine where Chrysler would be if they hadn't paid the price, if they hadn't taken the risk of the $12.4 million? And, and maybe in your life, you've got a clear picture of what happens when you don't take the risk of being in community. Let's talk about the value that's there. Let's talk about what you stand to gain from being part of a life group. A life group is a place where we, number one, study God's word together. Most people I, don't, I know don't know the Bible all that well. Most people get confused with, I heard a story of a man who's at his wit's end, and so he went to the Bible, he opened to a random page, and he just closed his eyes and put his finger down, and when he opened up his eyes, it said, Judas went out and hanged himself. And he thought, that's not the advice I'm looking for. So he closed it again, he opened up to a new place, put his finger down, and the verse said, go and do likewise. Now that's not the right way to read the Bible. And in a life group, you can come into contact with people who've read the Bible. They get it. They understand it. They can help you along. They can coach you along. Earlier, we read in our passage, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostles were teaching from the Old Testament. It was the Hebrew scriptures of the day. And the teaching they were giving has been preserved to us in our New Testament in the Bible as well. And, and so we recognize that if we're going to apply what happened here, we've got to be reading and studying the scripture. Now, I've seen a lot of things in life, but I'll tell you some things I've not seen. I've not seen a, a drug addict who read a chemistry textbook and got clean. I've not seen a thief who read a legal textbook and decided to put his, his law-breaking ways behind him. I've not seen an estranged or, or a, 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 a really poor father read a biology textbook and all of a sudden become dad of the year, or all of a sudden become parent or, 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 or spouse of the year. But 
I've known plenty, I've known plenty of people who are addicted to drugs, people who are involved in illegal activities, people who are struggling in their marriage or with their children who've read the Bible and it's transformed them. See, here at Celebration, we believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, authoritative, true word of God and that it is relevant to every area of our lives. The Apostle Paul himself said, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. In a life group, we study God's word together. We also practice learning how to love. I'm gonna do a little bit of a humble brag here. I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I'm a much better husband today than I was the first day I got married. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm a much better father today than I was the first day my son came into the world. And I feel for my kids, I feel for my oldest son because he's the one who's been the learning curve for my parenting. And the reality is I've always wanted to love, but it hasn't always come naturally to me. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you have this desire to love people but you're not quite sure how it's supposed to work and you need a little practice. Life Group is a place to get that practice. Life Group is a place to see that modeled. Acts 2.42 continues to tell us the believers devoted themselves to fellowship. What is that? Well, let's look at some other translations of the Bible that will help us along. The contemporary English version of the Bible is, is, is kind of a more plain spoken version. It says they were like family to each other. Eugene Peterson, who's a pastor who did a paraphrase version Version of the Bible called the message. He said they committed themselves to life together. Life groups do life together. They count on each other. They help each other. They love each other. Listen, loving others is a difficult skill for just about everyone to master. And life groups offer us a living workshop where we get to see it done, where we get to learn to love others. In a life group, we study God's word. We practice loving. But Lord, we, we, we also have fun together. In a life group, we have fun together. Now, this is one that gets overlooked because when you're looking to have fun, you go to the Saints game or maybe you like to listen to, to live music. It may not be the primary reason we participate in a life group, but I'm going to tell you, I've gone to a lot of life groups and I've never been to a life group where I didn't laugh with someone, where we didn't find something to laugh about, where we didn't enjoy each other. And when I read what Luke says about the early church, these were people who met not begrudgingly, but they genuinely enjoyed each other. He says, they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. They were having fun. And I've seen life groups do amazing things. I see life groups go to dinner together, go to movies and concerts together. I've even seen life groups go on vacations and mission trips to foreign countries together. You know, life can be pretty fun when you're spending it with people who are just so passionately chasing after the Lord. In a life group, we have fun together. We also pray for each other. If there's one skill you pick up from a life group, make it this one. To many people, it's a mystery how we're supposed to pray to the Lord. And I've known many believers who are intimidated about praying in public or praying out loud. It's a very private and personal thing until you experience it in a group. Verse 42, all the believers devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And that reminds us that prayer may be the single most critical and valuable spiritual discipline that the Christian has. It is both a means to an end and an end in itself. Can I explain that to you? As a father, I get pretty accustomed to my kids asking me for stuff. Dad, can I watch TV? Dad, can I play a video game? Dad, can I have a snack? 
But you know what means the most to me is when I have a five minute conversation with one of my kids that's not about something they want from me. See, prayer is both a means to an end, but it's an end in and of itself. We need to become strong prayers. You can do that in a life group. In a life group, we can also encourage and help each other. Our scripture continues. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Wow, that's, that's a level of involvement and commitment that's pretty impressive. And most people don't go looking for that. It's important to realize that was not the criteria for being in the community. That was the overflow from being in the community. They couldn't help themselves. It overflowed. They felt compelled to generosity. And I just want to tell you, God wants his people. He wants you to identify and develop your serving abilities in the context of a small community of Christians. And so We've talked about a lot of things, encouraging and helping each other, praying for each other. We've, we've, we've talked about studying God's Word and practicing learning how to love and having fun together. Which of these is of surpassing value to you and why? So we've seen that we can experience transformation in community because community has something to contribute to us. But let's go to the next part of the equation. The second thing I want to tell you is that we have something to contribute to community. Community has something to contribute to us. We have something to contribute to community. And I want to go back and talk about that 2011 Chrysler commercial. Again, one thing I may not have mentioned is that it featured rap artist Eminem. Now, at this point in Eminem's career, more than 100 people had approached him about licensing his song, Lose Yourself. More than 100 people had, and he had turned them all down. He hadn't let anybody use that song. But when he heard the pitch from Chrysler about how they wanted to showcase the, the, the city of Detroit, which was his hometown, about how they had this heart, not just to sell a car, but to turn around an automotive industry and to turn around the, the future of this city, he completely bought in. He let them license the song for 20% of what other companies were wanting to pay to use the song. And he even let them use his likeness in the commercial, something they hadn't even asked for. You see, when he heard this pitch and he caught this vision, he realized he had something to contribute to the overall goal. And maybe that's what's missing from your life. Maybe you don't understand what it is that you have to contribute. So let me give you some ways you can contribute to a life group. We can be a blessing to others in a life group. Number one, when we make our group a priority. How many people in your life would you say make you a priority? Isn't it a blessing when anyone makes you a priority? Listen, we can contribute when we make our group a priority. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Now listen, that's a verse that a lot of pastors have used in the last 10 months to try and get people to go to church. But understand the context of that verse. It was written to people who were meeting in homes. This wasn't written to people meeting in auditoriums with hundreds of people. It was written to be people meeting in homes. And I just want to tell you, if we had tried moving all of our church life groups online a year ago, before there was a pandemic, before things started closing down, 
It never would have worked. But one of the things that happened is that when the state, when the government, when the city started shutting down, our life groups all started moving online and none of our pastors had to really stay on them or, or browbeat them or guilt trip them because we don't do stuff like that. But they made the move because they recognized the priority of the group, the priority of continuing to find a way to meet, to continue to be there for one another. You know, it reminds me that many times we don't get something out of something because we don't put something into it in the first place. One of my brothers would always say when I was growing up, you only get out of it what you put into it. I just want to encourage you. Life group is a place where you can put something into it. We're a blessing to others when we make our group a priority. Also, when we offer our thoughts with humility. In today's world, most people have half of that really good, right? They're great at offering their thoughts, but with humility, eh, what's your Facebook look like? What's your Twitter feed look like? Or your Instagram? How, when's, when's the last time you, you saw someone say, I offer this with humility, but I think this politician or this leader or this football coach was wrong. You don't see that. But, but Paul told the Romans, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Some of y'all need to hear that again. Don't think you know it all. He told the Philippians, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Listen, when you go to a life group, there are going to be moments where you feel like you have something to offer, where you feel like you have something to share. And it may well be that God has put something on your heart to share. And in that moment, make sure that you're not thinking about yourself. You're not trying to appear wise in everyone's eyes. You're not trying to show off your fancy Bible knowledge or dominate the conversation. You're genuinely trying to contribute to the welfare of others in the group. We're a blessing to others when we offer our thoughts with humility and also when we treat others with courtesy. More and more, it feels like we can't be friends with anyone who disagrees with us, doesn't it? Especially about politics, but when our political or world opinions break our fellowship with other believers, do you know what that's called? It's called idolatry. Those opinions, those affiliations have become an idol. And that's really what Paul is addressing in Romans chapter 14. He's addressing believers who have made an idol out of irrelevant opinions and beliefs. He says, now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not to have quarrels over opinions. This is a critical skill for being in a life group. We've come to a place... We have to come to a place of being able to agree on the things of God while also disagreeing on the things of the world. I'd go even further to say that if we disagree on the things of God, that we don't get to treat them the way the world would treat them. We're a blessing to others when we treat others with courtesy and also when we acknowledge our faults with honesty. <laughs> I bet you don't know this program. But my wife and I watched this for several years. It's an old BBC program that showed on PBS called Keeping Up Appearances. And you can probably think of a hundred other programs like it. But it's about this older English couple. They live in the English suburbs. And the husband is pretty down to earth. But the main character, Hyacinth, there you have her. She's, she's kind of hoity-toity. And not just hoity-toity but wanting to be more hoity-toity than she is. So like always wanting to impress people, always wanting to keep up appearances, right? And one of my favorite gags from the show is when she answers the phone, the phone will ring, she'll pick it up. Hello, bouquet residents. 
lady of the house speaking. And, and, but you come to find out in the show, you know, she pronounces her name like it's spelled like a bouquet of flowers, B-O-U-Q-U-E-T, bouquet. But when she has to spell her name, she actually spells it B-U-C-K-E-T. Her name is Bucket, but she's telling everyone she's a bouquet. Have you ever known anyone like that? Someone who, who maybe they, they try to be French royalty when they're not. And uh, it's, it's funny, my wife and I, we really enjoyed uh, watching it. But let me just tell you, Life Group is a place where you don't need to be showing everyone your bouquet when you're a bucket. In fact, it's better not to. John said, if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This ought to be a huge relief. Why? Because the work of keeping up appearances is exhausting. And not just that, it's self-defeating. It's in conflict with who we're to be in Christ. It's incompatible with following Jesus. Can you imagine? So my son, he got, he got a bunch of Nerf gear for Christmas. He got some Nerf guns with the Nerf darts. He got the Nerf tactical vest to put all of his darts in. He got some headgear because, you know, you don't want to take a Nerf dart to the eye or anything. And he, he roams around my house like a Nerf tactical ninja all the time now. Can you imagine if I put on all of his Nerf tactical ninja gear, the headgear, the vest, the Nerf darts, the Nerf guns, and I went into a real world battle with that? It can be dangerous and self-defeating to try and pretend you're something that you're not. Life group is not the place to be a bouquet when you're a bucket. Life group is not the place to be a tactical ninja when you're a nerf tactical ninja. Life group is the place to be honest and transparent. If you're not, it can actually keep you from experiencing transformation. That's why James said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you hear all these messages on transformed and, and you want healing for your life, don't not experience that healing because you're too bent on keeping up appearances. We're a blessing to others when we acknowledge our faults with honesty. Also, when we share others' problems with sympathy. We say all the time here, everyone either has a problem is a problem or lives with a problem. Now, if that last one is you, don't go looking at anyone on the couch or anyone else around your living room right now. You know, I've been to a lot of life groups and every life group I've been to, someone had a problem. I've been to life groups where I was the only one who showed up and guess what? Someone at that life group had a problem. Paul told the Galatians, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. And let me tell you why we ought to do this. We should have compassion for others because ultimately we belong to one another. There's that word belonging. Again, we talked earlier about how being a Christian is not just a matter of believing, it's a matter of belonging. Well, look at what he told the Corinthians. He said that our Christian community, our Christian life support system is like a body, like a human body. And he says, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. You see, there's even an element of self-interest that compels us to share others' problems with sympathy. We're a blessing to others also when we encourage each other with accountability. When we encourage each other with accountability. Hebrew says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Have you ever needed help being motivated I heard a story about a, a Christian who woke up on Sunday morning. He was depressed. He was discouraged. He did not want to go to church. His wife was trying to wake him up and help him get ready. And, 
And he said, give me three good reasons I should get up and go to church today. She said, number one, you know that when you get there, you're going to see your friends. Y'all are going to chat. You're going to have fun. You're going to be glad you went. Number two, when the worship music comes on, the Holy Spirit's going to fill your heart. and You're going to be feeling them in that place. And you, you, your attitude's going to turn right around. You're going to be glad you went. And, and besides, number three, you're the pastor. You have to go. Can I admit? There have been some Sunday mornings I've needed some help getting out the door. I've needed some extra motivation. And there have been times in your life where you needed a little bit of help, a little bit of motivation. Sometimes we all need a little bit of help sticking with it. In those moments, we all need someone in our lives who's going to challenge us to do what we know is right, even when it's not what we feel like doing. I promise there's a life group somewhere that's counting on you to give them some added motivation. I promise there's a life group that's counting on you to go in there and give them the challenge to keep putting one foot in front of the other, to keep getting up on Sunday mornings, to keep meeting, to keep walking with the Lord. Paul said this, Paul said, when we get together, I want to encourage you and your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. You know what that means? Even for spiritual superstars like Paul, there's a role for ordinary people who can contribute encouragement and accountability. So we've talked about six things here that we have to contribute to a life group. And maybe you need to, 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 to make a group and the people in it a priority. Maybe you need to offer your thoughts with humility, or maybe you can treat others with courtesy or acknowledge your faults with honesty. Maybe you need to share others' problems with sympathy, or maybe you need to encourage each other with accountability. Let me ask you, what can you best contribute to a life group. Now I told you earlier, transformation doesn't happen in isolation. That's even more true than you know. I want you to take another look at the last verse of our passage, verse 47, where it says, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Do you recognize what happens here? When Christians do small group community right, when we count on each other as our life support system, others are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you, I have real concerns these days. I have concerns for our city because I heard this week that there is a place where a 52-year-old woman lost her life in a carjacking gone wrong. Why? Because she had the nerve to bring groceries to her in-laws. I'm concerned about what's happening in our nation when we watch the Capitol building get violently overrun by protesters. I'm concerned about my own neighbors. I'm concerned about my own friends. I'm concerned about my own family. I want transformation for myself, yes, but I need transformation for them. I need transformation for this city. I need transformation for this nation and for this world. Listen, I want this for them and we can do something about it. I believe this city, this region, this nation is ripe, is waiting on a revival of God's people, is waiting on a, an awakening of hearts that are far from the Lord. But it's only going to happen here the way it happened in Scripture, when people like you and I, when God's people come together in community. Now today I've been talking with you a lot about life groups and doing life in communities. Starting next week, we are launching our Transformed campaign. We're asking each person to attend church weekly and get into a life group. I told you earlier, if you'd like to get into an online life group and you're tracking along with us live, write life group in the comments and one of our staff will follow up with you. But today I believe it's more than just me who's talking with you. I believe it's the Holy Spirit who's prompting you. He's speaking to you this whole time. He's prompting you to take a step of faith and to get plugged in. And listen, I want to remind you, in one week, we're launching 
transformed groups, and we want to launch 200 transformed groups where anyone can learn how to be transformed in the context of Christian community. What does this look like? This looks like you going where you work, going to the ball field, going to your, your family, going to where you live your life, and bringing this transformed study with you. It may be that the Lord is challenging you to host a transformed group. It may be that you, you work and have lunch with the same people each and every day, and God's challenging you to bring transformed to them. It may be that, that you're a mom and you bring your daughter up to dancing every week, and you're there in that waiting room with the other dance mom for an hour a week and the Lord's challenging you to step out and to bring that to them. It may be that you're already involved in the life group, a men's group or a women's group, but your family hasn't really connected at home and the Lord is prompting you to bring transformed into your home and start a transformed group with them. I want to encourage you. Go to our website, celebrationchurch.org slash transformed and you can go ahead and sign up today to host a transformed group. Let me ask you, where and when can you launch a transformed group? And right now, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God will grant you the courage to take a step of faith by stepping into a life group if you're not already in one, or that you can host a transformed group with people already in your community. Wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, go ahead and bow your head and your heart with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did not leave us alone to scrounge for ourselves on this planet. You sent your son Jesus, Lord, to teach us to die for our sins on the cross, to rise to new lives, that when we believe in him, we can uh, have your presence, your power in our lives, and a home, a future in heaven with you. We also thank you that you provide hope for us in this life, that you've provided community, other believers, people who aren't perfect, people who have struggles. And so, Lord, my prayer is that you will give everyone watching, everyone listening, the courage to step by faith into community if they're not already. There may be some listening that they've been isolated, they've been alone for the last 10 months, but this is an opportunity for them to step into an online community, to know others and to be known, to make a contribution and to be contributed to. Lord, I pray that you'll give them the faith to write Life Group in the comments. I pray you'll give them the faith to go to celebrationchurch.org transformed and get connected to a group. And Lord, there, there are people watching, listening, who are thinking, I really want to see transformation come to those close to me in my workplace where I'm spending my leisure time, even with my very family. Lord, I pray you'll give them the faith to carry transformed to their, their oikos, their group. And Lord, I pray that as they do that, you'll work in supernatural ways we never could have dreamed or imagined. In the days ahead, give us boldness, give us faith, help us to be transformed. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.